just curious because I've got a bunch of uh, music tech fans out here. Um, what's 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 the better operating system for for music and music apps? Everything. Uh, who who who's using Android and prefers it for music? There's only one guy in the back. Two, three. iOS. I know this one's gonna shut Wait, it down. That's so- BlackBerry. We've got one. Who's lot? Sorry, who's, who's who's on Android? That's pretty, much. That's much yeah, less than I thought. That's like ten uh, percent of this crowd. Okay, who is on actively has listened to Spotify in the last week? Okay, that's that's pretty strong. Who has How been about RDO? RDO in the last week. Who has been okay. branded a hipster for using RDO? So that was Spotify over RDO about four to one. Who's listened to Pandora in the last week? So that's like very heavy crossover with Spotify or RDO. And who's listening to beats, music? Okay, there's, there's a few beats people in there. How about um, eight tracks? Oh, yeah, eight tracks is looking pretty strong in there. What did I miss? What do you want to know? HD tracks. Oh. Who's downloaded Live the 365. here? Sorry. Got it. Who's, who's downloaded an app that's been presented already? Just sitting there. That's a lot of people. Who's listened to the Internet Music Archive in the last week? I've downloaded many a dead show from that. Who's bought music on iTunes in the last week? Yeah, it looks like it's below eight tracks. (laughs) Definitely below beats. Okay, ready, Joanna? Okay, live from London, UK, but threatening to move to the Bay Area, Joanna Alp from Make Light. Thanks so much. Um, yeah, thanks so much for having me, and thanks to Brian again. Um, amazing, amazing. This is our first time here at SF Music Tech Summit, and I'm super impressed. It's been amazing so far. So, without further ado, we are Make Light, and we are making smart special effects. Um, So we see these as the future of live audience engagement um, and intravenue communication. Essentially, we're opening up this direct uh, portal or connection to the audience member. But before I get too further along, um, I think a visual always paints more than the words. So I want you to check out some videos of the kind of smart special effects that we're building. Check out what the audience are up to. Say 
So this was an event that ran in the UK. Um, it also, I mean, it's a global stand-up to cancer. It was a global campaign. It ran here in the US as well. But we uh, were engaged to work on the UK show for Channel 4. So that was televised to over 20 million people uh, across the country. Um, and I'll just show you another clip. Uh, which has a bit more of what we did. So that's showing uh, the power of these smart special effects within an audience performance, um, but also we can do a lot with this platform. And so we were actually asked, as they raised money for the cancer research, we could actually scroll numbers around the audience of the amount of money that had been raised in real time. So let's check it out. gives you an overview of the type of things that we're creating. Um, so I'll pick up on it a bit later, but there was another effect within that uh, video called visual voting. So we're not just sending out content as in um, pixels or video, but we can also receive messages back from the audience. So there's lots of potential there to integrate that into artist shows um, as the audience can vote and make responses and light up and have that kind of opinion light show. Um, so we can even ask who thinks Make Light is awesome and then vote and people could hold it up. <laughs> of course, we, we would over, overrule that and you would all vote yes. But yes, <laughs> <laughs> but yes that, is, that is absolutely what we could do. Um, I'll just now show you a quick little uh, walkthrough of the user journey. Uh, it's pretty simple. It's a mobile app on Android and iOS uh, that everyone coming to the show downloads. So essentially the way that we run it as a business model is the client uh, will... will uh, basically get a listing from us and it's paid on a per user per month basis. If you're doing a world tour, obviously there's a few months involved. Um, if it's a one-off show, we can facilitate that as well. And it's just per user that's involved. So you make a listing on the app here. You select that event. Uh, we've got lots of options. You can link through to ticket sales, to merchandise, to your social media, uh, join the mailing list. Uh, and then there's also you can populate your listing here with whatever text or images you want to uh, and then when the time is right, you basically hit the go button. Um, we've also built in mechanics for pre-roll. Um, so this is the pixel content now distributing to the phone. Um, it's a light show party for one in this instance, but obviously you've got the whole audience engaged. So we've had a lot of good traction early with brand sponsors. So for that reason, we've built in a pre-roll mechanic and as well a geolocated ad banner. So I think I might leave it there. Thank you. Great. So how much do companies that make cigarette lighters, how much do they hate you? <laughs> well, I think they ban cigarette lighters in venues, right? So they needed a good solution. How guilty so. do they feel once you start talking about the raising money to fight cancer, too? <laughs> 
they should feel very guilty about Where that. They, they promote cancer. Well, I'm, I, I might just play some video in the background while, while we're doing Q&A, but with no audio. Sure. So if you could drop the audio. Yeah, are there questions from the audience? We hate that. It's repositioning. It's, thank you. It's repositioning the device. We hate that. I mean, I was a gig photographer for 10 years. I've been, our team uh, have been in the music industry doing live events for a long time. And with the advent of smartphones and live events and having everyone suddenly isolate themselves from the live experience, it's ridiculous. So we're not going to stop people bringing their device, but let's look at repositioning it and making it a creative participa- you know, participatory feature. Thank you. Question back here. How the devices recognize each other? Is it a local area, wide area connection, or Bluetooth, or mesh networking, or something else? There's a whole bunch of ways that we do that. So um, Nick Redwood, who's over there, is my chief technology architect, um, and is mad keen about R&D and about building and lots of stuff. So as soon as you know the latest Bluetooth locationing iBeacon that's coming out, that's all the kind of things that we're building in. Um, it's really exciting to get to talk to live uh, promoter partners and, and that kind of industry to see what people are looking at in venue. And we want to build this. I mean, one of our founders has been, uh, runs a production company, so staging, lighting, sound, video. He knows production. So we want to build this to fit exactly into the production environment. If venues are rolling out beacons, we'll make that all fit with beacons um, and vice versa. So it's very much uh, fit for purpose and fit for in- industry. And I think you mentioned you can go over 3G network, you can do Wi-Fi, and you don't even need connectivity to the Internet That's with right. an we internal Wi-Fi network. Yeah. yeah, so Wi-Fi, 3G, 4G, but we're always investigating the new, the new ways of connecting. What is the cost associated with licensing the platform? And a second part of this question is, from the video that you showed, most of the people were, the example, people were using iPads, so I'm assuming you distributed the iPads and had to collect them at the end. Yeah. What is the adoption on people bringing the, and using their own devices mm-hmm. as opposed to being given these large screens? Yeah, so uh, just to clarify, so with the iPad use, it was a made-for-TV special. So they wanted to specifically get this number scrolling, and they wanted to um, use iPads to get that kind of effect. Um, when we've worked with BYOD or people having their own devices, um, we have had a, a, a very varying rate depending on the type of show and the type of promotion that's gone on. So we've had some shows where the fan engagement was incredible, and so we had an 80 to 90% uptake of people um, having devices, having the app, participating. Um, so that's not an unachievable number when you have that type of fan engagement. Um, in terms of costs, it can vary depending on some of the variables, uh, but can start as low as 25 cents per person. Yeah, I think you'll take that one offline. And yeah, we can talk more about that. (laughs) Brian Calhoun, ladies and gentlemen, important man in the music industry. Okay, thank you, Joanna. Cool. Thank you very much. So for the for the remaining uh, pitches we have, if if when we get to Q and A, if you've got a question, just raise your hand and keep it up so the uh, the folks with microphones can get to you. Did anybody else have an app that did not get a chance to present it? It's free promotion. Come on. 15 second, 15 second pitch. Elbo, you want, you want more promotion? We burned out the yep. crowd. Anybody looking for a job? 
Okay, 15 oh, second pitch from Matt. Got one. I'm Mad Genius Radio. I'm the CEO, and you can go mix all your genres together, add in your favorites, and it's a personalized stream just for one person. We're in the App Store and Android. So Larry, where, where's the next? Uh, who, who's the next pioneer of, of, of music technology? Where's the? Where's it going? There's remains very wide open unsolved problems out there and I think just back to something that Joanna just showed like when you're in a venue everybody doesn't have their mobile phone they're they're not actively using it except for photos so there's all that interesting intervenue connectivity that isn't happening there's also you know remains a very big problem um, you know as uh, you know, as a patron of a show where you're usually listening to really terrible sound because you haven't, you know, there isn't a, a good sound person or there isn't a good PA. And there's tremendous amount of technology available that can help make that experience better. Right? Why are you hearing feedback? Um, and lighting remains another open area. And I think, in, you know, maybe the biggest and best one of all is uh, just something that you know, Jay from Bandpage is talking about, which is that there's massive amounts of engagement, but there's not a lot of payment for music. And so if that engagement can be turned over into payment, you start looking more like the games industry or the sports industry, where the revenues have gone from $10 billion to $90 billion, while the music industry has gone down from you know, $20 billion to $5 billion with very similar levels of engagement, but not thinking more smartly about innovation and getting paid. And with that excellent stalling and diatribe, turn it over to Larry <laughs> Logan. Thank you. Good Digimark. afternoon, everyone. Well, I'll be showing you a few new things today, but Digimark's not a new company. We were started back in 1996, and were first noted for being a plug-in in Photoshop for creating imperceptible digital watermarks, IDs, inside of print materials. And we went public in 1999. Since that period of time, uh, we've added video, packaging, and audio. And even more so now, we're making a, a move into the music industry. In terms of our client base, it's everything from Disney to Time Life uh, to HP to actually, for every one of you here, actually in your wallets or, or purse, uh, there's Digimark-enabled documents uh, inside. So we're pretty widely distributed uh, in terms of, terms of a technology. So what is a imperceptible digital ID? Basically, it's a small code that's repeated back and forth repeatedly through an image or a video or through audio. Can't see it, can't hear it, but a device such as a uh, smartphone or a computer or a scanner can make sense of that and detect it. And at that point, then, it serves as a trigger to create some action uh, on the device, on the phone, as we'll see in a minute, or actually could point to a, to a URL. So it could trigger a light show, or it could point to an outside uh, URL. And one of the unique things about it is that that could always be dynamically changed. What I mean by that is that the ID is fixed, but at any given time, you, as the owner of the content, can pull up your account manager and repoint where that payoff, where that identity goes to. So it might be that, as we play some music in a minute, it might be that and listening to the music, the payoff or a URL, what that goes to, 
is one experience, and this afternoon you can reroute that. And so it's really sort of always living, always sort of dynamic, even though the, the watermark is fixed. Now, through the years, audio watermarking is not new. Different people have come out with different versions. Many of them have licensed our technology, but this is the first that Digimark is actually releasing our own technology, and we're pretty excited about that. So let me give you an example of what that is. We'll go to this, and I'll play a track here. Our house is a very, very, very fine house. So we can turn that down, but basically in this particular case, uh, the pointer goes to Facebook. It could be to downloads. It can be to any experience that the band or the content owner would want to want to have. Now, one of the things also that I mentioned earlier in terms of doing print and audio, and, and this sort of seems like a music discovery app of which there are numerous, and during the Q&A we'll go through some, some differentiation about that, but one of the things right away is that uh, although I'm using our demonstration app here, we don't try and build our brand on yours. In other words, we provide the SDK, we provide all the tools, but you're able to incorporate this experience into your own apps. Some people use and retailers use our app, but actually the whole idea is that you already have the brand experience, you already have the relationship uh, with fans or customers, and we want you to continue with that. So I'll give you another example. Another example here would be you might you don't get to see these things near as often uh, nowadays. Uh, and part of that, in terms of, gee, I don't know if I'm going to like enough of those, those tracks. What, what is that? This is a... <laughs> they used to call them CDs. But, but Weird. what about the idea? I'm standing in line, and I just pointed at the package, and now I just converted, in essence, the uh, tracks. So I can go sit down, listen to the tracks. I can download the tracks. So even though physically I didn't buy the CD, in essence, there's a revenue opportunity for that. Uh, one other example in terms of uh, being in a venue. So a poster at an event for signage, I moved it further away, and I have all the different items, all the different CDs. Uh, but in this case, I'm just going to move into one. Let's say I like Tony, and there I've got uh, Tony. So even just by distance and signage, we're able to change how that watermark is able to read. Well, I'll stop there. We can show you some other, other demonstrations in terms of inside of arenas. We've done a tremendous amount of testings with sports teams. Uh, Mobile Roadie uh, is now including us, uh, the SDK and their platform, so it's available. Uh, we're working with one of the largest production music uh, libraries, a whole platform. Uh, plugins will be available soon. And the one key thing I have to say is also live watermarking. So we're in development with live watermarking so that as a band or an artist plays, for example, in an arena, in real time, the sound that comes out of the speakers has a watermark in it. There can be multiple watermarks per, per song. You can overlay those watermarks, and there can be an in-stadium or an arena experience, but also as all of those videos are uploaded to hosting sites and social media, the watermark is being carried and can later be detected and diagnosed. So I'll um, stop there in terms of Q&A. No, no, it sounds cool. Yeah. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the revenue uh, model, or like how you guys sure. are going to generate? Yeah, the revenue, revenue is we make uh, all the tools, SDK, API, all of that's available for free. Uh, we charge on a per identity, which is what we do in terms of packaging, and that's based upon quantity, and that's so good wait, for you. What, what, I, per identity, what does that mean? So it might be, in this particular case, I say for this song, I want there just to be one payoff, so yeah. I'll embed one ID in this track. 
and therefore that will be live for a year and then I can renew that. Now I can reuse the watermark again in terms of tomorrow I want it to point to any different, different direction. Yeah, and so basically that's the way we do our print packaging and, and Photoshop work is based upon the product. So are you trying to appeal to this audience as consumers so they should download the app, or are you trying to appeal to business partners who use it as search in their app? Yeah, certainly for this room it would be more of uh, for, for the latter in terms of the kind of experiences that you're able to create with audience and, and fans. Yeah. How, how many music-minded uh, uh, clients do you have signed up? Uh, it's early because we're just now announcing, and Mobile Roadie is the, the first, and we'll be doing next month, we'll be doing, can't announce it just yet, but in terms of one of the best-known artists, their Vegas residency show. And that way that both the music in the show and also all the signage programs, uh, posters, and all of that will be enabled. And so at its core, you're creating different watermarks and links, and then you recognize the watermark, and you go to the link. Yeah, one of the things, just briefly, in terms of production music, what's also unique, where a fingerprint may say there's one, we got one detection for that song, we can work in production music with very complex mixes. So a watermark section, only maybe five seconds long, could be buried down in a complex mix, and the production music platform we're working with will be for TV and radio monitoring. So it's a way to actually see where there were plays that may not be recorded and reported in terms of revenue monetization back to the artist. It's doing audio and, and visuals. Sure. Yes. We got an uh, audience question. Yes. What happens after you download, or, or better yet, who do we sue? If, uh, <laughs> no, no, what happens here? I'm just trying to curious. As yeah, in, in this case, this is simply showing uh, a use case. There are third parties that already uh, provide you know, the platforms in terms of downloads and sampling. And we know who those partners are. We can point to those if that's the kind of utilization you want to integrate. Okay, time's up. Thank you very much, Larry. Thank you all. Okay, Tom, I'd like to ask you a similar question to what you asked me. What are you seeing that's the most exciting area of music tech? You know, it's more about what I'm not seeing a ton of, but I'm starting to, and it's how wearable tech is integrated with, with, with the existing systems. So... Think about a heart rate monitor and what the data that it provides would mean to your song recommendation experience. That, when, when somebody made that you know, comparison, it, it sort of blew my mind, but I've not seen a ton of companies doing anything with it yet. All right. Yeah. We have Adrian Holovati. Yeah, you got it. All right. Sound Slice. Hey guys, I'm Adrian. Uh, it's my first time here. Good to be here. Uh, some of you who are developers may know my open source work. I'm one of the two people who created Django, Python web framework. To you. Okay, cool. Uh, so I make this thing called SoundSlice, which is interactive sheet music and guitar tab. Let's just jump in and do a live demo. Uh, so we display uh, sheet music and guitar tab right in the browser. Uh, and sort of at face value, it's not very interesting. I mean, it's the same thing that you would have gotten in like 1920, you know, like uh, sheet music and, and some chords. Uh, but th the point of it is not just that we render sheet music, but that we make it interactive. So, uh, for instance, on this tune, I can just press play. And here, an actual recording syncs with the notation. Uh, now, the philosophy here is... Uh, 
as, as a musician myself, the first thing I do when I'm learning a new tune is, so I may have the sheet music, I may have Googled some guitar tabs, but the second thing I do is listen to the actual recording so I can actually hear all the subtlety of the music. It's like somebody this morning said, you can't learn a Louis Armstrong tune by looking at a bunch of sheet music. You need to listen to Louis Armstrong. So that's the philosophy here. We call it living sheet music where it's actually synced with real recordings. And the whole thing is built around uh, trying to reverse engineer the song and try to, trying to learn it. So of course you can play it, you can drag over the notation to make a loopable section. Uh, you can go down here to the lower left and slow it down without changing the pitch right in the browser or speed it up in case you're a masochist. To do, uh, we have a bunch of stuff for guitar players, so that, uh, which is uh, my specialty. So you can click this fretboard thing down here and you'll see a live fretboard uh, generated on the fly from the notation. So for, if you're not a guitar player, uh, I pity you, but I'll uh, just explain what that is. It's, that's the, the instrument itself and, and the frets and the strings and basically exactly where you need to put your fingers to make the melodies. Uh, that thing is also interactive, so if, if you want to see the layout on the instrument of a particular piece of this music, you can just drag over it and you can see all the notes that are used in that particular section. So you can see those dots being added uh, as I drag, uh, all in real time. So I'll show you a quick bit of eye candy here. So this is all generated on the fly in your web browser with JavaScript and HTML5. So what that means is if you're on a smaller screen, the notation will actually re-render itself uh, to fit your screen. So you'll notice that at, at one point, it detects that, oh, we can only fit three bars, now we can fit four bars, now we can fit five bars, it's an entire, it's called music engraving. That's this ancient discipline of, of doing, of actually notating music. And there are literally centuries worth of rules. Like in, in 1780, they invented this kind of squiggly for this case. So that's all been uh, implemented in JavaScript. And it does it immediately on the fly several times, a couple dozen times per second. Uh, another cool thing about that is you can uh, zoom in and zoom out. So... If you're on a big screen, you have a lot of real estate, you can just zoom in, zoom out. So those of you in the back, maybe now you can actually make it out now that I've made it super big. Uh, you can also transpose it into another key, so you probably don't care if you're not a musician, but uh, just use this little slider and in instantly transpose into another key. Compare this to uh, the leading site that sells sheet music, which sells PDFs, and if you want them transposed, you have to email them they'll manually make a new PDF and get back to you in two weeks. So just to give you a sense of the state of the art versus uh, <laughs> what's maybe not the state of the art. Uh, what else can I show you? So it's all about uh, syncing with real recording. So this, how, how big is the library? It depends on how you measure it. So we sell, we Number have two business songs. models. Uh, we <laughs> sell this stuff for 10 artists. So it's totally tiny, small potatoes but we also license the technology to other companies and they have uh, thousands of scores on their, on their own sites. So we're sort of a, a white label kind of thing. Got it. And, and if I wanted to consume this incredibly awesome sheet music, how would I go do that right now? Go to soundslice.com. Soundslice.com. I want to show you one other thing. For a classical piece where there's... Uh, a, a very set-in-stone way that you would play something. So the intent with classical is always play the exact same thing, just your, the, 
the variance is in your interpretation and the tempo and the feel. Uh, what's a, a cool way to, to learn is to listen to many, many different performances of the same piece. So this is one of my favorite, it's a piano piece I'm working on right now by Scott Joplin called The Cascades. And I've synced it up with a YouTube video. Uh, if you want to make it bigger, you just drag this and the notation wraps to fit. Uh, the cool thing is, so it's synced up, right? I can drag and loop it. I can slow down the YouTube video without changing pitch. Uh, and then here I have 10 other performances of the same exact piece. So I can, this is a guy called Sam Roberts. I can click John Kennedy and see the other guy play the exact same. So that, and it, it keeps the exact position in the song. So let's listen to John Roberts, and then I'm going to change it to uh, the actual Scott Joplin piano rule. And, you know, you can get a, a sense of the different uh, timbre, the different performance. This is like synchronization nirvana. Yeah, yeah, Everything's yeah. in sync. Definitely, and I wish we had the license for Nirvana music. So can you talk uh, about... Um, speaking of... Of licensing, could you yeah. talk about what you need to do for licensing, and have you do you have licenses for everything? Yeah, so uh, there are two business models. One is that we have a marketplace of these interactive notation things that we sell for between one and five dollars, and we work directly with the artists. So if any of you are artists who have fans who want to learn your stuff, come talk to me immediately, uh, or if you represent artists. And we give you a 70% cut compared to 10% if you're a good negotiator, if you deal with someone like Hal Leonard. Uh, so just to give you a, a sense of how weird this little microcosm of the industry is in terms of bad, uh, bad business deals. Uh, and then if you want to license the technology, this is a site that licenses, us, licenses our player. You can just see it's embedded right in their own own page. It's a guitar instruction site called Jam Track Central. We've got five companies using it so far, and more are being added all the time. They pay a monthly fee. So if you have anything in the music education space, also please come talk to me. We also have a deal with a guitar magazine that does weekly lessons, so they embed this thing in there. And everyone's like, wow, this is so much better than just a freaking JPEG of the notation. Uh, yeah, that's it. Any questions? What about, um, what about some love for drummers? Yeah, so we support... Uh, right that was Zamba. my first thought yeah. when I saw this. So drum notation, drums have their own notation. We don't support it yet. It's coming soon. Uh, yeah. Any other instruments that uses common music notation is supported. Yes. Are you working off existing sheet music or are you doing transcriptions of the recording? So for the stuff that we sell, we do the transcription uh, because our sweet spot is stuff where there are enough fans who want to learn it, but there aren't so many that you can just go to some sketchy illegal site and get the tab for free. So if you look at our library, you'll find stuff like gypsy jazz music. That's what I do. Very intricate guitar stuff. Uh, also fingerstyle guitar. I love to go more mainstream. The question is, uh, do license holders actually want to deal with a small startup? We're just two people based in Chicago. I do the code. My partner does the design. So, yeah, logistical issues. That's great. Okay. Think yes. We... Thank you. All right. Great. Thank you. Thanks, guys.
Okay, we have one last demo. You've been awesome hanging in there. Hey, Glenn. We've seen some really exciting products. Okay, last up, we have Heather Newman of Feather Ventures. Hello. So my name's Heather, and I'm going to give something that's a little different than what you guys have been hearing um, for the last two hours. This is not a product. This is a more informational talk in five minutes about music and the brain. So just um, to give you a little bit of my background, I'm a band manager. I manage uh, the California Honey Drops and the T-Sisters. Some of you maybe have heard of them. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and, um, but I'm trained in biophysics. I went to Berkeley and UCSF for grad school. So I've become interested in the effect of music on the brain, and considering that you guys are all mostly tech-related people who also appreciate music, I thought it would be great to share a little bit about um, current findings on music and the brain. And this talk is actually more of like a 45-minute to one-hour talk, um, and obviously I don't have that, so I'm just going to give you like a little taste, but if you're interested in a longer talk, I've spoken at Grace Note and elsewhere, and I'm happy to speak um, to you. So just to kind of give you a little example of what music does to us. August 6, 2012. Daddy's going to play them a little song while they're eating their peas. You guys ready? Okay, so I think you guys um, get the idea of that, is that music affects us long before we even learn how to speak. And it affects us in a really profound way. It's found in all cultures all over the world, like throughout the course of history. So my question is, how does this happen? How do you take a vibrating string of a guitar and turn it into an experience like what those little kids were experiencing? Um, so I'm going to actually skip past the physics of sound and how the ear works, even though this is fascinating. Um, one thing I'll note about how the ear works is the ear has an ability to take a mechanical wave, which is this compression of air molecules that's propagating through air, and turn it into an electrical signal in your brain. And that's pretty fascinating for an organ to be able to do that. And there's a lot more interesting stuff that um, I won't touch on. But I'm going to talk just for a couple of minutes about the brain itself. So what do we know about the brain? We know that there are areas that are specialized in certain functions. So for example, in the top area, you can see the motor area. In the back is the visual cortex. And on the side is the auditory cortex. We also know that language is localized, for most right-handed people at least, on the left-hand side of their brain. So we have this kind of basic map of how the brain works. And recently, there's been a lot of technological developments on how um, to visualize the brain without doing anything invasive, and that is with an fMRI. And just as a demo, so you know what this even means, you might have heard the term fMRI. It's functional magnetic resonance imaging. You can take three-dimensional slices of a brain in time and look at where the brain is activated based on the blood flow. So the red areas is where there's more blood flow and the blue areas is where there's less blood flow. And with that, you can actually look at people's brains while they're listening to music in various situations and learn a lot about how music is activating their brain and how different, people's, different people are activated by music differently, which touches on musical tastes and preferences. So now we'll say, um, how does the brain... How does brain activity result in experience? Well, we don't know this. We don't even know how the brain 
gives rise to consciousness? I mean, that's the big question in cognitive neuroscience right now, and that's a mystery. So we don't know that. What we do know is that we love music, and that's why we're all here working in some capacity in the music field. And we also know that the brain, that the music acts on the dopaminergic pathways in the brain, which is where um, the, the pleasure reward centers are, the same area that sex and food and drugs all act on. Music acts on that as well, as well as amygdala. So kind of as one final story, um, I'm going to tell you about this study, which was a hip replacement surgery, where they took the patients, and it was a double-blind study, so nobody knew what was going on, but half of the patients they gave headphones with ocean sounds, and the other half of the patients they gave headphones with classical music. And the doctors didn't know, nobody knew what was going on. They said the headphones were just going to block the surgical noise. And they gave them a spinal uh, anesthesia that was basically light sedation, so the patients could still respond when asked a question, like they would respond in kind of a drugged-out way, but they could hear is the the important thing. And for the patients who were listening to classical music, they, had, they required less anesthesia during the surgery. That is, the anesthesia is basically monitoring your like, basic, like, different kinds of like, basal levels in your, in your blood that they're taking. And the people who ha- were listening to the classical music didn't need as much anesthesia. They also had 20% less cortisol in their bloodstream. So it was a statistically significant finding. It was published in 2011. And I think it suggests a lot about the potential for music um, to be used for therapeutics in the future. So that's, music also has a lasting effect on the brain. When you've been trained in music, you have more developed gray matter in your brain than those who haven't, especially if trained in playing music, not just in appreciating by listening. Um, And finally, to wrap up, because time is of the essence here, um, music has also been found to be effective in treatment for a lot of neurodegeneration, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, dementia, stroke patients based on where language is localized and how music is more global. You could use music to teach stroke patients how to speak again, as well as in pain management. So that's basically it for my five minutes. Um, but if anyone is interested in learning more about this, you could check out my website or talk to me afterwards. And I hope that this gives you guys some ideas about possible applications for treatment of either disease or pain or other types of problems with music in the future. Thanks. Thank you.